there's a story about this elderly man who's walking down the beach one day and he sees this magic lamp, so he picks it up and he rubs it and you know how the story goes, out pops a what? A genie. A genie pops out and says, hey, listen, thank you for, for freeing me from my prison. I'm going to grant you one wish. And the guy says, well, let me think for a minute. And he says, you know, 30 years ago, my brother and I had a really awful fight and he hasn't spoken to me since. My wish is that my brother would finally forgive me. And then all of a sudden, there's this giant clap of thunder and a flash of lightning, and the genie says, your wish has been granted. And then the genie continues, and he says, you know, most guys would have asked for wealth or fame, but you only wanted the forgiveness of your brother. Why is that? Are you old and dying? And the man said, no, but my brother is, and he's worth about 60 million bucks. Today we're going to tackle a topic that affects every single one of us, forgiveness. Now what I'd like to do is begin sharing a story from the Bible that gives each one of us something we can't live without, hope. The hope that there really can be true forgiveness in this world of broken relationships. And let me show you a verse, we've been looking at different verses, but this is really the anchor verse for this series. It comes from the book of Romans and it says this, Everything written in the past, speaking of these Old Testament stories, for everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have, there it is, we might have hope. So let's take a look at this story. It's found in the book of Genesis, and it actually occupies a lot of the book of Genesis. It starts in chapter 37, runs all the way to chapter 50, but it's a story of a very dysfunctional family. The father's name is Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons by four different wives. Talk about a blended family. And, and because of his favoritism toward one of his sons, a son named Joseph, Joseph's brothers come to really dislike him. In fact, they hate him so much at one point they decide to kill him until one of his brothers intervenes. And this is what happens here in Genesis 37. It says, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? we'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting them, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern. They had thrown him into this well, into this deep cistern, and they sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. Now, the first thing that we learned from this story about Joseph is this, like Joseph, there are people in our lives that we need to pay back. People in our lives that we need to get even with. People in our lives that we need to hurt as much as they have hurt us. Is that what we learn? What do you think? No, not by a long shot. This is what we learn, that like Joseph, there are people you need to forgive. People you need to forgive. Every single one of us has been hurt by other people. It's sort of an occupational hazard in being a human being. You know, maybe it was a business partner who took advantage of you. Uh, might have been somebody at work who gossiped behind your back and damaged your reputation. Maybe it was words said by a family member that hurt you. Maybe it was a broken promise by a spouse. When this happens, when people hurt us, it brings us to a critical crossroad in our spiritual journey. What do we do with people who hurt us? What do we do with people who sin against us? And we know the right answer, don't we? What are we supposed to do? 
We're supposed to forgive them, but it turns out that forgiveness, the kind of life-changing, liberating forgiveness the Bible describes, this kind of forgiveness is incredibly difficult. And that's something else we see in this story, that like Joseph, we struggle, we struggle with forgiving others. Now, Joseph's brothers, they throw him in this deep well, they talk about killing him, then they sell him to this caravan who takes him to Egypt. And if that wasn't bad enough, they lie about what happened. They go back home and, and tell their father, Jacob, well, you know, Dad, you know that, that really cool coat you gave uh, to Joseph? Well, um, here it is. And they had actually taken goat blood and smeared it all over this beautiful coat and led their father to believe that, that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. Now, certainly, Joseph is angry. Who wouldn't be? And he's hurt. And it will be 20 years 20 years before he sees his brothers again. And when he does, forgiveness and reconciliation do not come easy. It's a difficult process, just like it is for us. But there's something very important that we learn, something very important that Joseph learns along the way. As you read the story of his life in the book of Genesis, there is this phrase that's repeated over and over again. It says this, and God was with Joseph. When he arrives in Egypt, He's sold to one of Pharaoh's officials, and God is with him. And so soon he's put in charge of all this, um, this man's affairs. And speaking of affairs, this guy's wife, the man is named Potiphar. His wife has an eye for Joseph, and she um, is pursuing him, and he refuses her advances. And because of that, she accuses him of rape. And he finds himself in prison. But even in prison, we read, and God was with Joseph. And because God's with Joseph, the warden actually promotes Joseph, puts him in charge of all the other prisoners which is really kind of crazy. And then these two prisoners come um, to Joseph. They actually served on Pharaoh's court and they've been having these dreams and they don't know what they mean so Joseph actually interprets the dreams for them. And then if you kind of fast forward, the Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt has a dream and he doesn't know what it means and one of these guys remembers Joseph. And so Joseph is able to interpret this dream for Pharaoh and that's his get out of jail free card. But not only that, he's promoted to a very powerful position in the Egyptian government. Now, as the story continues, this dream that Pharaoh has is about a future event. It's about a severe famine that's coming. And because Joseph sees this, because he prepares for it, there's plenty of grain in Egypt. In fact, they have so much food that they're willing to sell grain to other nations. And this sets in motion a plan by God for Joseph to see his brothers again so that he can deal with the issue of forgiveness. See, back home where Joseph grew up, people are starving, and so Jacob, the father, says, hey, you guys need to go to Egypt and buy food. Now, you talk about drama. This is a really dramatic story because when Joseph sees his brothers, he immediately recognizes them, but they don't have a clue about who he is. And this is really interesting. Joseph doesn't reveal himself immediately. He doesn't say, you know what? Um, let bygones be bygones. I forgive you guys. That's not what happens at all. In fact, he tests his brothers to see if they've really changed. And at one point in the story, we read this. It's really fascinating, but Joseph insisted. As I said, you are spies. He knows that they're his brothers, but man, can you imagine how scared they were when, when he says this? You guys are spies, and this is how I will test your story. I swear by the life of Pharaoh that you will... You will never leave Egypt unless your youngest brother comes here. One of you must go and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in the royal palace. 
What does it say? Keep you where? In prison, his own brothers. Now, why is it that Joseph does that? Well, I think the reason is he's really struggling with forgiveness. He's working through this process, and that is certainly true for us as well. Let me ask you this. Do you ever struggle with forgiving others? I believe one of the most difficult things that God calls us to do is to really forgive. And I think there are a couple of important reasons for that. I think often we, we have a misunderstanding about what forgiveness really is. See, when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean excusing their wrong behavior. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that you immediately trust them. Trust has to be rebuilt over time. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that you give up the right to restitution or justice. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that your heart will heal quickly. Forgiveness is a journey, and the deeper the pain, the longer the journey. And here's another reason that we struggle with forgiveness. Sometimes we just don't think we can do it. Sometimes we don't have the desire to forgive. Sometimes we just think, I don't have the strength to forgive. And that's why we need God to help us work through forgiveness. And this is certainly something that Joseph is learning. See, Joseph was able to look back over his life and see that God was in charge of everything that happened to him. Ever since that first day in Egypt, God had been by his side arranging the events in his life. And that brings us to this next observation from the story, that like Joseph, true forgiveness is possible when we see things from God's perspective when we see things from God's perspective. When Joseph finally has the opportunity to confront his brothers, they're terrified because they think that he is seeking revenge. However, this is what happens. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Joseph is looking at his situation. In fact, he's looking at his life from God's point of view. He understands that right now he's in a position to make a difference with his life, to save many people. And he knows that God was orchestrating these events. Now, here's the deal. Like Joseph, we've all been hurt by other people. We know that's true. And like Joseph... God can use the hurt in our lives to accomplish something good. But that leaves a very important question unanswered. And the question is this, why should I forgive people? I mean, yeah, okay, I see God is powerful. God can bring something good out of this. But why in the world should I forgive? And I think, again, it has to do with seeing things from God's perspective. We live in the 21st century. We have a certain position in redemptive history. And even though Joseph could see that God was in charge of the events in his life, we see even more than that. We can put on our gospel glasses and look back and see a cross and realize that Jesus came to our world. And when we think about Jesus, who he is and what he did for us, it changes our perspective on forgiveness. Because what we realize is this. It's not just that, that I need to forgive others. I myself need to be forgiven. Now, why is that? Because we come into this world with a heart that pulls us away from God, away from his purpose, away from his plan. And here's, here's the thing. We all know this, that we have violated God's commands. I mean, think about this. Every time that God was good to you, 
and you were ungrateful. Every, every time you had the opportunity to love somebody but didn't do it. Every time you broke a promise or told a lie. Every time you were less than completely honest on your tax return or expense account. Every word of gossip, every impure thought, every critical attitude, every selfish action has contributed to this, this mountain of moral debt that we have before a holy God. Now think about this. When you incur a debt, who has to pay it off? You guys should know this. If you incur a debt, who has to pay it off? You do. I mean, this is like the number one rule in the debt business, right? You, you might have a, a credit card debt this morning. You might have a auto loan debt. You might have a mortgage debt. But if you have a debt, who pays it off? Who's supposed to pay it off? Yeah, you are. And, and just to test this assumption, um, imagine going to your mortgage company and saying, you know, I'd like to have a, a talk with you about my current um, financial situation. My, my level of debt is keeping me from enjoying the life that I want to live. I, I just have to work too many hours. I don't get to play golf as much as I'd like. And, and listen, my wife is depressed because we can't afford a vacation. So here's the deal. I'm not going to pay off my mortgage. Okay? Now, you know the response you get, right? A reminder of this debt principle. You owe. Yeah, you're, you're getting the flow here. You owe. You pay. In fact, um, there are people, um, I've heard about this, that wear dark suits. Sometimes they're named Guido. And uh, they live by this principle, you owe, you pay. And in fact, what do we call people who lend money at exorbitant interest rates and threaten you if you don't pay it back? We call them loan sharks. See, Guido's not called the loan bunny, right? Because he's really serious. You owe, you pay. Now, here's the thing. We have this mountain of moral debt before a holy God. And there's really only two options. You can pay it yourself or you can allow someone else to pay it for you. Because church, there is a cost to our sin. There's a consequence of our disobedience. And the Bible's really clear. Our sin separates us from a holy God. And not only that, God is just. He can't just look the other way and say, hey look, it's no big deal. No, sin is an affront to the holiness of God and every sin must be punished. And we're in a helpless and, and a hopeless situation. What is the ultimate solution for our problem? It's one word. It's the topic this morning. It is forgiveness. Because that's why Jesus leaves his home in heaven. The Bible talks about the fact that there's one God. And this God exists in three persons. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God the Father sends God the Son to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus does what no one could ever do. He lives a perfect life. And that uniquely qualifies him to offer his life in exchange for ours. And that's why Jesus allows himself to be arrested and beaten and crucified because he wants our relationship with God to be restored. He wants us to be reconciled and that can only be forgiven, happen if we are forgiven. And so that is the transaction that occurs at the cross. God's willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. Jesus dies, but then he comes back to life. And he offers us a life where we can be truly forgiven. And I want you to think about that. We know the gospel says that our past is settled, that our future is assured, that God's going to give us a drink we need for today. But how much do you really believe that? How much do you experience that forgiveness? Do you realize if you're a Christian this morning, you've made a, a decision to follow Jesus, that when God looks at you, 
it's as if you've never sinned. You know, I am blown away by that. That when God looks at me, he doesn't see the things I've done in the past. They are completely forgiven. He sees the perfect record of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing. And the more you wrap your head around that, the more you're able to do what I think is the hardest thing God calls us to do, to actually forgive others. And when you, when you say, well, why should I forgive others? Well, now you have a really compelling reason to forgive. And here's the reason. Because God is willing to forgive you. Because God's willing to forgive you. Look at this verse from Ephesians. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So why forgive others? Well, because God's willing to forgive you. And here's another really good reason, because forgiveness brings freedom. Brings freedom. Freedom from bitterness. Freedom from resentment. Look at this verse. See to it. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. One of the ironic things about bitterness is that it doesn't really hurt the other person. It hurts you. Somebody said one time that bitterness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping the other person dies of smoke inhalation. Now how crazy is that? But you know what? That's what we do many times. We hold on to this bitterness and this resentment. And listen, resentment and bitterness will ruin your life. And it doesn't just ruin past relationships. It ruins current relationships as well. And that's why the Bible says, let it go. Forgive as Christ made it possible for you to be forgiven. Now listen, th this morning as we do every Sunday morning. We have a prayer time at 8 o'clock with the staff and another prayer time with the worship team. And I, I typically tell them the theme of the service and then they pray for, for you, for us. And my prayer this morning was, look, you know, sometimes we've had these things happen to us and there's still that, that bitterness and resentment. We don't deal with it every day, but it's still there. And our prayer was, God, if there's bitterness in any of our hearts today, would you please help us see that? So that there can be a turning point this morning so we can really find this freedom that you promise us. And so listen, you know, maybe, maybe this morning, um, you still have some bitterness in your heart from something that happened maybe a long time ago. It could have been um, an employer that treated you unfairly. Maybe you were fired unjustly. Maybe you're bitter at a spouse or an ex-wife or an ex-husband. Maybe it was because of a divorce that took place or infidelity that can cause really deep, deep wounds in our hearts. Um, maybe there's bitterness as a parent because of your kids. Maybe they're adult children now and how they rebelled against you, treated you. And maybe it's just the reverse. Maybe you're grown up, but you still have bitterness against your parents for how you were treated. Or maybe there's something else that's causing bitterness in your heart. Listen, whatever it is, you will never be truly free unless you forgive. So how do you do that? How do you actually work through this process of forgiveness? Well, I wish we had a couple of hours to talk about this, but in the time remaining, I want to walk you through this process. And here's the first thing that we can do, and it's really important. Um, admit that you've been hurt. Admit you've been hurt. You know, sometimes when other people hurt us, we tell everyone, and sometimes we tell no one. It's just our secret. And sometimes we try to convince ourselves 
that it's not really that bad. And we make excuses, well, you know, they, they couldn't help it or they didn't really mean it. Sometimes we actually blame ourselves. If I had just known better, um, maybe this wouldn't have happened. In this Bible story about Joseph, notice what he says to his brothers. You intended to hurt me. He doesn't let them off the hook. He doesn't say, hey, you know, we were a lot younger then. I know you didn't mean it. He says, no, you guys intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Remember this as you work through the process of forgiveness. God can take the hurt that you've experienced by others and use it as only he can to accomplish something good in your life. Well, here's another step in the process of forgiveness. Be honest about your emotions and express them appropriately. Be honest about your emotions and express them appropriately. I was working on the message this week and I was thinking about a story that I heard about this, this truck driver. He was a kind of a small guy and he goes into this diner to eat breakfast and he's sitting there at the counter eating his breakfast and these three really big guys come in. They're riding motorcycles and they just start to hassle this guy and they, they take his food and, and they're just trying to goad this guy into a fight but he just quietly gets up, pays his bill, walks out the door. And one of the big motorcycle guys says to the waitress, hey, it's not much of a man there, is it? She goes, well, I don't know about that, but he's not much of a, a driver because he just ran over three motorcycles. You know the old saying, I don't get mad, I get what? Yeah, well, the fact is we struggle with anger. Look at this verse. It says this. In your anger, do not sin. There is a righteous, legitimate anger when we are hurt. But what we do with that anger becomes so critically important. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. And again, we could talk about this for quite some time. But just very simply, I've discovered, and so many of you know this too, that one of the best ways to process anger is to tell who about it. Tell God. When you read the book of Psalms, King David pours out the anger in his heart because other people have hurt him. That's something else that we can do as well. And that leads us to another step in the forgiveness process. Choose to cancel the debt owed by others. Choose to cancel the debt. How do you do that? Well, you give up the right to get even. The right that we feel to hurt other people the way that they've hurt us. I had an experience. Just a few weeks ago, I was in a restaurant eating with my wife. And somebody came into the restaurant that I haven't seen in years. And this is somebody that, that hurt me and my wife very deeply. And you know how that goes? You see somebody, you haven't seen them, or you hear their voice, and all of a sudden those thoughts, those emotions come right back. Well, that happened to me as I was sitting there, and, and later, after Chris and I left the restaurant, I just had to get alone by myself and talk to God about it talk to him about what I was thinking and what I was feeling? Because here's the question, how can you tell that you've really forgiven somebody, especially somebody who's really hurt you? And I think the answer is this, you're able to recall what they did and instead of getting angry about it, instead of being bitter about it, there's a peace that you experience because you've actually forgiven them. And I think that along with that is this ability to now pray for that person, to actually wish them well. And church, here's the deal. God wants us to experience that kind of freedom. But it's not easy. And we know that. Look at this verse. It says, 
Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I was thinking about this. When God calls us to do something, when God commands us to do something, he promises to give us both the desire and the ability to do it. Because I'll tell you what, there are times that I do not desire to forgive. And I will tell you, I don't have the ability to forgive, but I can go to God and say, Father, you promised to give me the desire and the ability to forgive this person, so I'm coming to you because I'll never do it in my own strength. That's something that we all can do. Go to God and ask for the desire and the ability to forgive. And that brings us to this, this last step, seek reconciliation where possible. And those are two very important words, where possible. See, this story in the Bible is about forgiveness and reconciliation. Because when Joseph and his brothers have this time to work through what's happened, Joseph tests his brothers and he discovers, you know what, their hearts have really changed. And in fact, they're sorry for what they've done to him. They are repentant. And so because of that, Joseph reaches out to them and expresses forgiveness. And we see that in the words that he says to them. So then... In light of all this happened, so then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Now, that's a great, great ending to the story of Joseph and his brothers. Almost sounds like a fairy tale. And they all lived happily ever after. But not all stories in that way. See, reconciliation is not always possible. Sometimes it's because the person that has hurt us is no longer living. Sometimes it's because we want to reconcile with the person, but they have no desire to reconcile with us. Sometimes it's because despite our best efforts, trust cannot be rebuilt. Sometimes reconciliation is not possible. But listen carefully. Forgiveness is. Forgiveness is by God's grace. Now, just take a look at the statement on your outline. It says, one person I choose to forgive is. Is there somebody today that you need to choose to forgive? Is there bitterness and resentment that you've been holding on to that you need to let go of today? I think many of you will remember the experience that our church went through at the beginning of this year. We called it 40 Days of Prayer. Remember that? And part of that was learning the Lord's Prayer Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I remember reading a prayer that was written by Pastor Rick Warren that I thought was really helpful in terms of kind of just walking through that, that desire to release the bitterness in your heart, to release the resentment, to really experience this freedom that God has promised. And so church, I want to do this. I want to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. But let me ask you just to bow your head right now. Um, you know, on Sunday mornings we come to to listen to what God says, but we come to do more than that. We come to put it into practice, to actually do it. And so right now, just ask God this question. Father, is there somebody that I need to forgive? And as God would possibly bring someone to mind, I want to lead you through this prayer. And you can pray it along with me. Father, only you understand how much I've been hurt by this person. And I don't want to carry this pain for another, another day. God, I don't want to be a bitter person. 
but I need your grace. I need your power to release my hurt and to forgive this person who's hurt me so deeply. And God, I want today to be a turning point. First, I need to experience your forgiveness because you know all the ways that I've hurt others. And, and Jesus, I'm really sorry for my sins. And I thank you for dying for my sins. And today, I just want to accept this grace and forgiveness that you, you offer me because I need it. But today, God, I'm turning to you. I'm choosing to forgive the way you've forgiven me. And Father, would you please do this every time the memory comes back Help me forgive this person until the pain is gone. God, please heal my heart with your grace. And Father, I'm just really thankful that whenever we're, we're in that position of humbly asking you to do these things that you have promised to help us. So thank you for that, God. And Father, I pray that, that today that you'll do your work in our hearts. Lord, as we sing this last song about grace, grace that falls like rain, I pray that our hearts would be open to you, that your grace would flow into our hearts so that your grace can, can flow out of our hearts, so that we can actually let go of bitterness and resentment and genuinely forgive. So, Father, I pray that um, you would give us the grace to do that. In Jesus' name.